Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Pastor Plex podcast. We have a bit of a loaded question or questions this week. Are you ready? I am ready. So glad to be here. All right. So we're just going to start off with one of these. And this is dealing with church or gossip that happens within the church. Not necessarily church gossip, but just people who are members of the congregation. How are we supposed to respond to gossip within the church? Yeah, and this is um, a common issue that mm-hmm. has been plaguing the church since the church started. I, yeah. I, and I think I've said this, and maybe I'm going to be redundant. Do you mind if I be redundant? Go for it. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think a lot of times we sort of have this thing of this thought in our head that the church is supposed to be Acts 2, 42 through 47, which it is, where everyone shares everything. They you know pray together. They take the Lord's Supper together. They're just getting gathered around the apostles' teaching, and it's kumbaya. But the reality <laughs> is, uh, I love 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, I'm going to just go out on a limb here, I think it's t- chapter 7, uh, where you've got Paul like having to defend his ministry, and maybe actually it's chapter 12, or yeah, yeah, chapter 12, and, and he goes, he says this, have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we've been speaking in Christ. And for all of your upbuilding, beloved, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. So if you're wondering why the church isn't like Acts 2, 42 through 47, it's Only because... Only a couple verses there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's because the New Testament church wasn't like Acts 2, 42 through 47. It was filled up with sinful people saved by grace who were trying to figure out, work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm so encouraged by that because sometimes I get so frustrated. But here's the good news, uh, Joni. And I think this is one of the things we, we need to really just kind of wrap our head around. Mm-hmm. There is a prescription for how to handle um, conflict, sin, darkness in the church. It's just a matter of, do we have the guts to do this? Because we are a conflict-averse society. So I'm going to read you Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that Every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let it be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. Mm-hmm. among them. So th- this is clear that you have to go to your brother or sister in Christ and say, that hurt my feelings. What you did was sin against me. And then when the person goes, nuh-uh, or invalidates you, you've got to take somebody along with you and say, listen, that hurt me and you have sinned against me. And I've got um, Bob or Rosita here with me that is going to walk with me through this um, issue with you. And we need to talk about this. And I think that's really hard for people to wrap their head around. Yeah, and I think kind of not on the flip side, but when you're the one hearing this gossip, Mm -hmm. you're not the one who's been offended, but you're hearing about someone else's offense. We get caught in this 
predicament of like, oh no, am I going to offend them by saying something of like, hey, you shouldn't be talking about this. Yeah, in fact, you and I were talking about this, that we just encounter this a lot. Um, tell me tell me what you're saying about just kind of how you've seen this and how you've encountered it and kind of what your um, response is. So I've only recently learned this response and I'm a big fan of it because it de-escalates the situation quite quickly. Mm-hmm. When you're in a situation to where it's borderline, you're like, man, they're kind of just saying that they were a little mean or talking about their habits or something else and you just don't feel quite right about it. And all you have to do is say, hey, when are you going to talk to them about this? Right. And you, and you leave it there and see what their response is. And if they're like, oh, I never was, then that's your opportunity to say like, well, hey, this is gossip when we shouldn't do that. They've opened that conversation mm-hmm. up for you. And if they then they all of a sudden realize that they were gossiping and that's their opportunity to say, you know what, I should talk to them. And then you give them, hey, when are you going to talk to them about it? So, Joni, let's talk about this for a second. What's the difference between venting and gossiping? Mm. That is a good question. Yeah, so I think this is a part where it gets really, really difficult to know. I think gossip is something that you share with every general person on the planet, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like your first, whenever that person comes up, you, you, you don't talk about, listen, you're going to have issues that you're going to vent. I got frustrated today when, and then you need someone, I do this with my wife all the time. However, at a certain point, if that sort of vent starts to become like an ongoing stream, mm-hmm. then there needs to be a place where you go and talk to that person and um, I know it's hard, yeah, and it's inconvenient, but it's real church. And sometimes and it's real awkward. And it's real awkward because nobody does this. We live in a passive-aggressive society where we uh, don't confront, where we say things like, I was just venting, but then mm. your vent turns out to be venting to the entire world, and that becomes gossip. Yep. So I, do I, do I, have a, I don't have a, a great definition between when venting moves from venting to gossip, but there is a clear line, and you'll know when you've crossed it. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it goes back to you're allowed to process things out loud with your wife or your husband. Uh, there's accountability partners to kind of like, am I wrong for feeling this way? But if you have more than one or two of those, then all of a sudden you have a group of gossip, and that's where you're taking yep. this thing to a dark place. And that person should be able to, you know, be able to speak in your life and say, I think you're crossing a line there in the way you're thinking. Your your thinking is sinful, and so your venting, I understand, is painful, but you've got to readdress the way you're thinking. Uh, And so that might mean you need to have a conversation with the person that offended you or you are offending, or it might mean that you need to confess that sin to the person you've processed with and vented with. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I've been there a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, moving on to the next portion of this question. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. We are going to kind of get a little more specific. Um, This question regards to um, a younger female in our church is having a hard time relating to men Mm. in in her same age range. Um, and And it kind of just seems like you've got to want to date one of them to be their friend. Yeah, that's difficult. That's difficult. This is where, um, man, I I think our culture, and maybe I think this is probably before your time, Joni. Maybe. um, Have you ever heard of the book, uh, A Kiss Dating Goodbye? Absolutely not. Wow. I am now old. This is like really officially weird. Okay. (laughs) Where were you born? 96. Yeah. Okay. That book came out when you were like four. Anyway, so uh, that... was reading then. Yeah. <laughs> so what that book prescribed was that you were never to be alone with a girl unless you were pursuing her for marriage. And mm-hmm. it kind of created this weird thing where you had to be intentional and it freaked out the entire Christian single population that if you were ever alone with somebody that you were intending to marry them. And um, Joshua Harris actually later got divorced and refuted his faith, and he is no longer a Christian. 
so that's sort of a bizarre world. Anyway, so that's sort of the um, the world that we sort of grew, at least I grew up in, and I think there's still residue from that. Um, but the reality is, and I think something you and I talked uh, about before the show was it's really difficult just to be friends. Absolutely. Uh, and, and talk about that as a woman. So I have now been happily married for five years. But mm-hmm. prior to that, my main friend group was a group of guys. Okay. And that was high school, early college. Mm-hmm. And we were all friends. And I would say that, you know, we had the friend group. We were tight. But I ended up dating three out of the four of them. <laughs> I at least went on one date with them. And it was sometimes it like there was no guy. And by the time my relationship of my now husband, we became a serious relationship. We had to have a conversation of like, of, hey, these are emotional boundaries of if I am that close to friends, someone is going to catch feelings, as yeah. the saying goes. Yeah, they're contagious. Yes. Feelings are contagious. Now, let me let me bring this point up because I think it's uh, super helpful, is that in when you're dating, you're, you're trying to, this again, this is, we're into the dating realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're constantly trying to um, figure out who you would like, but and is this the person? And I think there is some sense that you are allowed to hang out with one another, but let's call yeah. it a date. That doesn't mean you have to marry them. Yeah. Uh, let's go on a date. Let's go. Uh, dating doesn't mean that you have to stay together for six months. Right. And I think that's, we live in a culture of the hookup culture, mm-hmm. which that's when it gets awkward because something you, well, I'm going to say usually, something can happen. Like people get a little handsy, uh, a makeout session happens, and then next thing you know, you feel guilty, and you're like, well, now I have to make a relationship out of this because we went too far. And so there's a whole bunch of issues, which is why boundaries in dating is important. Um, and at the same time, group dating is great, and, and hanging out with a bunch of friends, and you can figure out who you do like, who you don't like. It is, it is a beautiful thing. And here's what I, I say to people all the time. The way you interact, and this is my Chris Pleckenpole theory, you probably won't find it anywhere else. The way you interact with your same sex is the way that you're going to interact with your spouse. And you're going to be like, that doesn't even make sense. No, no, no. When you take away the sexual tension, mm-hmm. because once you get married, the sexual tension is gone. I know that for some of you who are single, you're like, what? No, it does not for me. Okay. It Just, will. It will, yeah. So whenever that happens, you're left with, oh, I'm hanging out with this friend. And mm-hmm. do I actually know how to have friends? If your life is built on, and I'm not, I'm just guys and girls. If your life is built on sexual tension and sort of like that chemistry that you sort of feel with a with a guy friend, girlfriend, or opposite sex friend, what can happen is that you never learn how to process life, how to do conflict without a sexual tension aspect, and that is like crippling mm-hmm. for marriages. It's crippling. All right, so that means that's why it's so important to figure out how to interact with your own sex because that ultimately is how you're going to interact interact for the rest of your life. Is that helpful? Yes. I, I, I would also add on there's a, a portion of this question we didn't quite get to. Mm. Of there's, I mean, it's not all on the women's side to make this decision. Like, sure. If your group of guy friends that are men only want to be friends with you if there's a romantic side of it, only want to help you move a piece of heavy furniture if there's a possibility that you'll go and get lunch with them, then I would suggest to you that you need different guy friends. Yeah. And that if those people are within the church, that they need to be in a discipling relationship. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. And and one thing we don't want to do, I think men are at a, it's tough to be a man uh, in this day and age because if you pursue somebody too hard, you're a creeper or a stalker. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're passive. So you, you're no, no matter what, you're sort of uh, 
in a black hole of you can do no right. Yep. Uh, so <clears throat> this is where um, you have to gird up your loins in a sense <laughs> and uh, go and pursue. And at the same time, if you're given a solid no, you walk away. Now, ladies, there was a day when it was like if a woman told you no, that meant pursue harder and that was like oh he's really into me he wants commitment he's going to pursue me nowadays that means i'm not going to ever talk to you again because i don't want to cross that line of being um seen as inappropriate mm -hmm. is that fair yeah uh so so you're in a tough situation in the dating world and um that's why it is super hard and I don't envy you at all. And I got married at 34 and it was just awful for a long time. So uh, I could totally <laughs> tell you. That, and as one who just did it wrong, like I yeah. was the one that, that sort of lived in a sexual tension sort of like world for a long time because it was fun. The reality was it really wounded and hurt myself ultimately because it, I had to relearn how to reprogram myself in my marriage to not do that just normally with women. So uh, right. hopefully I've done that a lot better. I mean, I got married at 19, so I had the opposite problem. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. And our last question with this little chunk is, since all of this is happening mm. within any church congregation, mm -hmm. not just ours, mm -hmm. how do you keep cynicism from getting into your life and that being towards the church and other members of the congregation, um, especially whenever we're all sinners and we're going to kind of keep sinning? And if yeah. it's not going to, we're not going to snap our fingers and this, this is going to be done with. How do yeah. you begin to overcome uh, man, that? Man, this, this is a great question. Um, I'm just going to pull up my trusty Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Now that's the, the book, book for, for me. me. Yeah. So uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21 says, Do not take to heart all the things that people say. Which mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Man, that's Solomon. He sure knew what he was talking about. And the reason <laughs> he says it, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. In other words, we get upset. Watch this. We get upset when some, someone says something about us, but then we're the very ones doing the very same thing. And so you can't get that upset about it. And um, if you're in any type of leadership, if people aren't talking bad about you, you're not a leader. Because yeah. that it just goes with the territory. If you want to be a pastor, people will talk bad about you. If you want to be a CEO, if you want to be middle management, if you want to be over anybody in any sort of form of hierarchy, Someone's if you want to be a parent, yeah. your kids <laughs> are going to talk bad about you. It's just that is the way it goes. And I don't, I don't mean to make that like a um, any sort of a leadership is bad. It's just the reality of like the human nature of people is to whine and complain. And so right. you might be on the receiving end of that. Um, no matter what. I mean, as a pastor, I get that all the time. People have a lot of opinions about me, and sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. And um, if I got wore out by all the stuff that people say, uh, I don't think I'd last very long. No. Maybe so, a month? Maybe a month, yeah. And I think, and so, and this goes back to, you know, and, and Joni, for you, I, you know, you've been in this role, how a long? Month? Is that it? About a month? I think only a month. Well, yeah. it's like a lot longer. All right, so. You are going to get that as well. Like mm -hmm. people will get upset at you that for whatever reason, because you have, you're on church staff now. And so I just want you to be prepared your heart for this, that you are <laughs> the problem with the church at some point in somebody's eyes. And yep. that's, and that's just the reality that you have to endure uh, because you are, um, God is asking you to steward the people and shepherd our church uh, alongside uh, the pastors and me and the elders. And that's, it's an exciting thing, but it's a thing that can be challenging. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I just want to say that um, there in this question, this is a, a long question, which I really appreciate the person who sent it. Um, 
in going back to the, they asked the question, how do we continue to be a part of the church without engaging in the socially acceptable forms of sin to fit in, i.e. cutting someone down, soft bullying, certain, soft bullying certain people to be accepted by the majority? And I think that is really difficult to wrap your head around, especially if um, social cues come, sometimes can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> my, my sons um, are seven, five, three, and one. And so my oldest, he's seven, and he, he's learning to tease his brothers. And there's that's because I tease him. And so there's a certain relationship mm-hmm. I have with Austin mm-hmm. that he tries to do with his younger brothers, Jet and Titus, and it results in tears and in crying. But when I do it to him, it results in him giggling and like kind of pushing back against me, and it's really fun. And so what can happen if you are not socially attuned to what is going on in the relationships? You might think there's soft bullying going on, but it's actually genuine, like, heartfelt uh, friendship. But again, I'm not in that situation. I don't know exactly what they're talking about. And if, if so, the, the way that you fix that is called an approach for clarification. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back at when I was at West Point and in the Army, we, we, always, we were really serious about the honor code, which everyone should be serious about it. But we, we had like we had rules about how to approach people about the honor code. So that's how serious we took it. And so if you saw somebody maybe lying and you weren't sure if they were lying or not or they were stealing or cheating or doing something, you would have an approach for clarification. You'd say, it really looked to me like you just changed your answer after looking at that person's paper. Is that what you did? And they would say, yes, that's exactly what I did. Or they'd say, no, and they'd have some sort of exclamation. And then I'd have to say, I'd have to now determine if that was a lie or not to me. And it might be now a double lie. Uh, but that part of it is like, I want to approach you for clarification. And you'd be very clear, I'm now approaching you for clarification. Anyone, <laughs> anytime you heard someone, I'm approaching now for clarification, that's when you sort of like, your your heart would start to race because this meant an honor violation may have happened and you didn't know it or you were you thought you were just messing around someone kidding and someone took it to the next level of seriousness. And next thing you know, you're going to be for, uh, in front of a court of your own peers uh, asking the hard questions if you lied or not. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where I really learned that feelings are much like lies because sometimes you can they're very clear feelings and sometimes they're very clear lies and sometimes it's just teasing either feelings or someone just being silly right. with uh, exaggeration okay all that to say it, it's just you know tuning in socially with people becomes a very important part of the Christian life and so if much. and if you're not there then um, it's very smart and wise to approach mm-hmm. for clarification absolutely um, I believe Whenever I've been in that situation of being very easy, I, I find I know I'm there when mm. I'm easily offended. Yeah. And then it's it's whenever I'm the only one who is offended by a certain comment or anything and everyone else was okay with it. Yeah. Can you talk about that real quick? Because I, I know this is well personal because, well, it is. It's uh, personal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like um, you want kids. I do want kids. And you don't have kids. I do not. So we are not even we're not even trying yet. Yeah. So tell me about that. What's what goes on? Tell me about the conversation that sort of gets you um, your heart beating faster. So anytime anyone who just jokes about having kids becomes very personal. How do they joke? What do you mean? They're they're even like it's the hey. Speaking of everyone being parents, right? We're gonna do and then something that has absolutely nothing to do with being parents. They're (laughs) they're you know they're they're not. Even they're not talking about kids. They're not doing anything. It was just it was just a little joke because it it tagged on to everything else, and right. people thought they were about to make a cute little pregnancy announcement. Right. <laughs> and everyone everyone else laughed it off. Absolutely everyone. And I saw myself on the Zoom screen with a straight face yeah. of like, what just came out of your mouth? <laughs> and I and I quickly realized what was going on and realized that 
oh my goodness, like this is where I get deeply offended because this is something okay. that I want so bad. Tell me how you're able, because I get offended by stuff, but mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not, well, I'm sure if I were staring at myself at a Zoom screen at all time, I'd see my face <laughs> and be like, oh my gosh, what's he so angry about? Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's like, me. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me about that. Like, was it you saw yourself on the Zoom screen and you, you know, the joke and you're like, huh, looks like that person's mad. Oh, that me, that's me. Or like, how did, how did that, how did that formulate in your mind that you got offended and you just realized that it was something not to be offended by? So this, this kind of goes back to the accountability partner Mm. and who you vent to. Right. Um, so I, I saw myself and I realized that everyone else was laughing, but me. Yeah. And then I looked and I talked to my husband about it later of like, Hey, I was really bothered by that comment and it re- revolved around him being like, yeah, you've been bothered by those before and a little more here recently. And then it revolved, uh, it went to me talking to my accountability partner and just saying, Hey, I think I was offended here. No one else was right. Cause she was in that conversation as well. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, no one else was. I didn't even know what happened. That is so helpful. And I think mm-hmm. this is this, that is the proper use of the vent. Um, and saying like, I was offended, but can you believe that person said that? And then them go, said what? Said what? Yeah. yeah. So that man, that is so helpful, Joni. And I think that's something that, um, you know, as you're listening to this podcast, if you got questions along, along those lines, we would love to minister to you in a, in a personal way. Contact us at the church. Joni or I would love to really just sit down with you and help you take the next steps toward discipleship or really wrapping your head around what God is doing with his grace in your life to overcome an offense. Absolutely. And you can get us at info at wellsbranchchurch.com. And that goes straight to me. And we'll get you to whoever you need to get to. There you go. All right, guys. Well, I think, I think that is all that we have for today. <laughs> if we, if you were the one who sent us this awesome question and we missed something, didn't clarify something well enough, please feel free to send it back again. And we'll hit it on it next week. Um, and we'll do the best we can. That's all we have. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.